Hey everyone, welcome to 11 questions where each week we meet a new person and get to know them. I'm your host Taman Diwana and today we have Poonam Desai, the author of Sincerely Life here with us. She has been featured on numerous podcasts to discuss her mental health journey, what inspired her to write and the advice she has for anyone who feels a little lost in life. Let's find out more about her after this quick word from our sponsor. Hi, Poonam. How are you doing today? Hi, how are you? I'm doing well. Thank you so much for having me. And I'm really excited. Sorry for being late. <laughs> to everyone watching, I was 15 minutes late. So punctuality is not a skill set of mine, clearly. See, I already know a thing about you without even asking you a question. Thank right, <laughs> right. Well, I want to thank you for being my guest. I'm just so happy to be here asking you 11 questions today. Yeah. And I want to start off by asking you about what your professional background is and how did you transition into being an author? Sure. So my background is kind of all over the place. My education is in economics and finance and public policy. So numbers and government, basically. Then I moved to becoming a professor of economics and then I moved to being a consultant. When I lost my job, I was bored. I'm not going to even like try to make it inspired. I was bored. <laughs> But I was also incredibly depressed. I was struggling with a lot of mental illness. So I was like, okay, I'm bored. I'm struggling with mental illness and I have no job, so I can't afford therapy. And journaling was always a really good, is a good way to kind of clean out your mind and feel lighter. So I would journal a lot. And in that journaling became a book. So I had no intention of setting out to be an author. I just was like, you know what? I'm journaling and I have these thoughts and a lot of people could benefit from them. And some of there was poetry too. So I'm like, what the hell am I going to do with my own poetry? Like hang it on my <laughs> walls? That's weird. So I just made a book out of it. And that's how I became an author. That's awesome. Yeah. You didn't even have to plan it your entire life. <laughs> I had no intention of ever writing a book my entire life. Like I've always wanted to be an actress or a singer. I've never wanted to be an author. And now here I am. Maybe those will be the next things. Maybe, maybe. <laughs> In the professional context, what's the kindest thing that someone has ever done to you? I've been very blessed. When I was a teacher, um, I worked really hard with my students and I, you know, I adored them. They were like my own kids. One of them in particular always stands out. I was teaching a night class from seven to 10. All right. And those kids are, they tend to also be people who work eight to five. So they come eight to five, then come to class. And they were always the, my most engaged kids. They worked hard. They were the best. And I, I adored them. So one of the girls was trying to get into an MBA program at Texas A&M. She was like, I have no idea how to apply for grad school. I have no idea how to do anything. So we worked together one night after class. So I stayed on campus for her from 915. I was with my kids go early. I didn't want to be there till 10. They didn't want to be there till 10. So from 9.15 to like 10.30, we worked, we worked. Next day, she had her interview. Next week, she got into the school and she wrote me this really sweet letter and gave me a Starbucks gift card. And like, you know, it was, that wasn't the nice part. The nice part was she was so overwhelmed and it was nice in the sense like, you know, I was able to be that with, for that student, but also she keeps in touch with me. She talks to me all the time. She emails me, updates me. So the kindest thing for me that someone's ever done in my professional career was give me the opportunity to be a part of their life beyond school. That is something I always remember because I love my kids very dearly. That's such a great memory to have. Yeah. Since you are an author now and I'm a book reader, I have yeah. to talk about books. If you were to pick only one book to read forever, which one would that be? 
Oh, the disrespect. Okay. Um, <laughs> dang, that is a hard question. I know. Um, <laughs> no, it's a good one because I have to be like, it's right what tops off your head. Um, so I love the Percy Jackson series. I read those books over and over and over again. But if I had to pick one, it would probably be The Mark of Athena by Rick Gordon. It is the follow-up series to the first Percy Jackson series that Rick Gordon wrote. I don't even know if I'm saying his last name right. It's the follow-up series where he blends Greek and Roman mythology. Um, and it depends. If I'm feeling nostalgic, I'll, write, I'll read the first series and I'm feeling more action oriented I'll read the second one. But I think it's that one. But dude, that was a hard question. Like, well done. <laughs> that was hard. I, well, I it's no interesting idea. that you chose series as opposed to one book, but I'm going to let it slide. <laughs> I know. I was like, I'm just going to see if she'll like let that slide and go over it. But I mean, in that series, the one book that I would read is The Mark of Athena over and over again. All right. What's one book that you think is just overhyped? Ooh, that, there's a lot. Um, that's a good question, because most of the books that are coming to my head are the ones we had to read in high school or middle school. You know, the ones that we had to read in school, like oh, this is amazing. I'm like, we're just reading about the plight of another white man. Like, can we move on and get something else here? I'm not going to lie. There's some Shakespeare stuff that I think is a little bit overrated. You know what? I'll tell you what. Romeo and Juliet, I think is overrated. <laughs> I'm with you on that one. I, I'm reading this. I'm like, are y'all dumb? Like, if you had just waited 10 minutes or had better communication. And I'm like, I know you didn't have phones, but like maybe before going that extreme we could have discussed we could have said let's make a like they didn't even can make a plan to like run away together to like even fake their own deaths before you know like there's so many possibilities that could have happened it's such a short-lived romance but for the entirety of our lives it's projected as the biggest love story and I'm like you didn't even get to anything real so um I was just like this is so stupid like I remember reading at the end of it I'm like this is the greatest romance of all time. It was like 10 pages and they're dumb. Like this is so stupid. So Romeo and Juliet. Yes, good answer. I recently also saw meme on Pride and Prejudice. I like the movie. I like the book, but the meme was so on point. It said, it was, I think someone's Amazon review of the book. They gave, yeah. they gave the book like one star and it said, everyone just keeps going to other people's houses. <laughs> But that's so true. It's just like a circle of. I know. You it's like an Indian like auntie that. circle. It's an Indian auntie circle, and I'm like, can we get to the point here? Like, I have, I have places to be, things to do. Yeah, I agree on point. Okay, so moving on. What's your biggest pet peeve? I have so many. Um, <laughs> um, I have so many pet peeves. Okay, can I have a philosophical one and then like a regular life one? Sure. Okay, so my philosophical pet peeve is people who are arrogantly ignorant. They drive me up the wall because, you know, we're all ignorant. We all are like there's something that we all don't know about. But if you're arrogant about your ignorance, it just makes me so violently angry that it takes all of my energy to not punch you in the face. And social media is even worse about it, which is why I hate being on there. Because everyone thinks that they're all woke and that they all have an opinion and that their opinion should be held in the same level as like an expert's even. And I'm like, no. So that's my philosophical pet peeve. And then my regular technical life pet peeve is people who don't indicate where they're going on the road. They just <laughs> move. 
and I live in Texas, right? So everyone is a psychotic driver. We see drive limits as driving suggestions. So only way we stay safe is by just, just indicate, tell me where you're going. That's called a blinker, just right, left. Tell me where you're going. <sighs> that makes me so angry. Okay. I think I've gotten you a little agitated. So and <laughs> next question is that what's one thing that you do that can calm you down instantly? Deep breathing, for sure. I used to be super against like meditation and yoga because I was a bodybuilder for a long time. And, you know, there's that stigma, like yoga is not real exercise. Like meditation is hippy dippy stuff. But before even quarantine, I do yoga and meditation every night. And I've seen a tremendous difference physically, mentally, emotionally. So honestly, it's just deep breathing. Like if I'm genuinely angry, if I'm genuinely angry, like I'm just a passionate person So it will look like I'm angry, but I'm just really intensely talking about something. But if I'm actually angry, I used to just boil from the inside out. And now I just deep breath, rationalize what's going on, calm my anxiety down and then handle it from there. Can vouch for that too. Breathing yeah. really helps you or at least takes your mind off of things because you're yeah. concentrating so much on your breathing in that moment that, you know, it somehow works. Exactly. And it's just like you take 10 seconds And then everything becomes clearer, right? When you're angry, everything's in this fog. Or if you're sad or anxiety, whatever you might suffer from. And then if you just take that 10 seconds, your brain goes, okay, why are we mad? Why are we anxious? What's going on? How do we solve this problem? Um, is this really a big deal or am I just getting angry over nothing? It works wonders. Agreed. Now let's also touch on something we have in common, our brown slash Indian culture. What's one thing that you absolutely love about our culture? I'm going to be very candid here. I just started getting into my culture because I am from the South and I don't know if you can hear it in the way I talk, but everyone has been highlighting my accent. So apparently I have an accent, which I, I think I do. I'm just being annoying. But because I grew up in the South, it's not that I didn't have a lot of diversity. I did, but it's just, there's a culture here in the South, debutante culture. It's football culture. I mean, football is a religion here, you know, very Christian culture, blonde hair, blue eyed you know, white. So when I was growing up, Indians were only known for being smart. That's it. Like if you needed to cheat off a test, find the next Indian kid. If you needed science help or tech help, ask the Indian geek. And so as a young girl, that sucks because you want to also be beautiful, right? And this was when I stupidly thought that beauty had one standard. I couldn't be both intelligent and beautiful as if somehow those were you know, independent from each other. And so I spent a long time rejecting my culture, a very long time. I would tell people I was mixed. I would tell people that I wasn't Indian. I could get away with a lot of different ethnicities. So I would get away with whatever ethnicity I could so long as it wasn't Indian. Now, that being said, because I'm getting back into it, my favorite part of our culture is our music. It is just so beautiful and so good. I can't understand Hindi at all. And okay. yet somehow... These songs will make me cry. How? I don't even know what you're <laughs> saying. And I'm sobbing in my room. <laughs> and it's, it's just the music is so beautiful. The singing is beautiful. Even the hype songs, you know, and I'm talking about older Bollywood, not like this new nonsense where they have to interject Western everything into it, which is so and annoying. Makes all the old songs. They're not making Why? anything new at all. Why? How dare you touch these old songs? Those are masterpieces. You don't touch them. My sister showed me they did a remix of Dhola Baje from Hamdil Toke Sanam. Oh, really? I was watching this and I'm like, 
what in the hell is this? Because that movie has the most elite songs. And Ashwarya Rai, I'm telling you, every time I watch that movie, I have such a woman crush on her. Like she is just so <laughs> beautiful and so talented. And I love Dola Baja because I'm a Gujarati. So that's like, you know, Garba and Ras and Dandia in one song. And it's so hype. They redid it. It is very bad. I don't even need to watch it. I, it is I very know bad. what it's going to be. <laughs> I've seen in enough. Respect. So I'm talking old Bollywood, but that's that old Bollywood music. Yes. And what's one thing that you would change or take away from our culture? Oh God, that's a lot. I love our culture, <laughs> but there's a lot to be improved upon. I'm torn between treating our women better and making mental health a thing. Something mm-hmm. that we discuss openly because there's so much clear trauma. I'll stick with mental health because that's something that everybody is inclusive in. Do you know, they'll say stupid things like this pain in your head is in your head. Yes, that is what I am telling you. So I would want to change that saying there's, you're not losing your culture because you're suffering in silence. And that's the Indian way. That is stupid. That's like saying, I'm not eating because my ancestors didn't eat and I'm suffering in silence. Bitch, you're about to die. Like, eat something. We can keep our Indian culture. We can keep certain things. And just because we're letting go of the bad things doesn't mean our culture is going to go away. We're just making certain things better for our future kids. That's all. Yeah, that pride in suffering, I never got it. Growing up in India, it's projected so much, especially on women. Like, you know, a good wife suffers, a good mom suffers, just basically any good female suffers. And it's such a harmful message to grow up. It's like, why are you living then? Why do we want, you know, like, that's just so horrible. Like, you're only alive to suffer and raise these things called children. Yeah, I can sense that we are both very passionate about this and we won't stop on this topic. (laughs) Yeah, let's move on. Otherwise, we'll talk for hours on it. Okay, moving on. We are living in COVID and... We can't yeah. travel, get out. But once things open up, go back to normal, which is the first place you will go to? New Zealand. Oh, nice. My sister and I had planned a three-week trip in August of 2020. We were going to do New Zealand in like two weeks and then go to Australia for a week. That was our trip. And then FML, uh, COVID <laughs> and the wildfires happened. It's crazy. This year has been such a jerk. Um <laughs> I don't even have the words. Like, how do you describe this year? I don't even have words. It's like Um, anytime you feel like this is probably at maximum capacity, something else happens. Exactly. Exactly. It's like, I can't handle no more. And life's like, (laughs) okay. And then just yeets you into another catastrophe. So, but yeah, New Zealand. I cannot wait to go there. I also want to go there at some point, especially I want to see the Hobbiton. Yes, that's literally why we're going. That is literally why we're going because I'm such a Lord of the Rings fan and geek and all the good words about it. So that is, we're dedicating like a whole four days just for that area because I I am so for it. Please post pictures on Instagram. Yes, I will. I will totally post pictures and everything and be like, okay, guys, for those of you living vicariously or until you get to New Zealand. This is what you have to look forward to. I can't wait. I cannot wait till travel is normal again. As bad as this year has been, I think there were also some lessons in it. And what's been the biggest lesson for you? Ooh, that's a good question. I think the biggest lesson for me is truly that the time is always now. The time is always now. So many people were like, don't launch a book in 2020. No one's going to buy it. You can't do book signings. You can't do a book tour. You can't do diddly squat. 
And so people are like, why don't we just wait till 2021? I'm like, if we have learned anything is that I might not make it to 2021 or why wait? It may not be the ideal marketing time. It may not be ideal, but this year is not ideal. I believe that even if it's not ideal, just do it, you know? It'll come and I, you know, and I can remarket now, right? Like that's what I'm doing now. I'm marketing this book again now because it's a good New Year's book. So you just market it now. You know, I'm not wasting my time waiting for the right moment. Every moment is fleeting almost. Like you don't know if you're going to have another one. So but I don't think this was a great year for reading books. Like you had so much time on your hand. You were not going anywhere. Exactly. <laughs> I, I that's so I, much. People were like, oh, no one's going to buy it. And I was like... I don't know. I think, and you know, my book has arts and crafts, right? Like it's very interactive. It has arts and crafts. It has journaling. It has talking with others. It, there's so much activity in there. So I'm like, if this is the year anyone's going to do it. It'll be this year because they're stuck at home. What are they going to do? If you were to pick one interesting life experience that you can share with us today, what would that be? Okay. This one is interesting and funny, but it does have a deep meaning ish. It's really funny. Okay. So I was in Costa Rica two years ago and on my birthday, we went zip lining and I love zip lining. I love bungee jumping, skydiving, all that jazz. I'm a big adrenaline junkie. But the last zip line we went on was the longest and the tallest zip line in the entire area of like this obstacle, whatever. It was like a thousand plus feet from the ground. And it was like over a hundred feet long. And so they would push you really intensely, obviously, because if they don't give you enough power, you're going to get stuck on the zip line. Guess who got stuck on the zip line? (laughs) This girl. So they were like, okay, you're tall enough. You look like you weigh enough. You should be good. Well, I I went and I got stuck. I was slowing down, slowing down (laughs) towards the middle of the zip line. I'm like, Oh, okay. Maybe they have like some machine that's going to keep me going. Except I stopped in the middle of the (laughs) zip line. And so as I'm sitting there a thousand plus feet above the ground, I'm like, what a beautiful place to die. Because on the (laughs) right side was this rainforest and there were monkeys literally swinging. And on the other side was the volcano and the beautiful Lake Arenal. It was gorgeous. So the view is beautiful. I was like, wow, like I'm about to die, but I'm not even like worried. It's so gorgeous out here. And then the guy who had to come get me, it was his first day on the job. He had to monkey climb from the other platform, attach me to him, and then monkey climb us back. Oh my God. I don't know if scary or funny. (laughs) On the very first day of his job. He had to literally save this dumb girl who's just hanging out in the middle, (laughs) looking around. Um, And so that was my best life experience because after that, I made a vow to myself that every year I was going to take a trip outside of the country. And if I die on a zip line, at least I didn't die in the U.S. It's fine. That was (laughs) the whole purpose of that. I didn't die living at home. I died on a zip line. So that really inspired my annual trip promise to myself. That's awesome. I love that. Yeah. And also this story is amazing. I think- My sister got next to me and instead of being like, are you okay? She was wheezing. She was laughing so hard and she got it all on the GoPro. And the first oh, thing wow. she did when we got home was show my parents and be like, look how dumb she is. is I'll amazing? try to find it. I think we we found, like we can't find it anymore, but if I find it, I'll send it to you so you can post it in junction with this. Oh yeah. It's that would viral be- instantaneously. <laughs> 
thanks a lot for sharing this with us. I think this yeah. is the best story I've heard in a while. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. You know, <sighs> yeah. And now I want to talk a little bit more about your book. So yeah. if you want to say a little bit about what the book is about and, you know, what motivated you to write this book yeah. for our listeners. I'm in my mid-20s currently, but when I started writing this, I was in my early 20s. And the reason that matters is because I feel a little bit more grounded now. Grounded in the sense that I'm very aware that life has no plan and you just got to go with the flow. But when you're in your early 20s, right after you leave college, there's still this structured life plan in your head, right? You're not completely understanding that this whole get married by 25, have a house by 26, have children by 30, that's bull. It does not happen that way for everybody. But as someone who is very structured, like I'm very structured, I want to be the good kid or good citizen. So I like, okay, I'm going to be married by this point, have, you know, have my career by this point, have my house by this point, blah, 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 blah. And then nothing was not happening. When I graduated college, I couldn't find work for so long. And then even when I did find work, it was on a part-time basis. I was not earning any type of money. The guy I thought I was going to marry, married somebody else. That was awkward. I made a conscious decision and I recognized that I really don't want children, which makes it even scarier in the sense of finding a partner because most people do want children. So I had no career, right? And I definitely couldn't have a house because like, I'm not buying a house with no money, no career, no house, no future, no nada. So I felt like at 23, I was already failing. My whole life was over. And then when I started journaling, that's when I realized I was journaling and I was reading through this and I'm like, I cannot be the only person who feels this way. And, you know, the more you talk to people, the more I realized I wasn't. A lot of my friends who were in their early 20s felt like this. A lot of my friends who were in their mid 20s felt like this. I had friends in their 30s who felt like this. So I'm like, hold up. The life doesn't have this type of plan at all. Why are we shoving this shit down people's throats? Right. Why are we lying to them? Almost. I felt lied to. So I was so angry. So when I started journaling, I was looking through this and I was like, you know, what if I were to help others who feel this way, learn a little bit more about themselves, the way I've been learning about myself, because I'm not saying the lot this book is a life manual by any means, but when you read a little bit and then you ponder the question that I'll pose to you, it's kind of like, huh, no one's ever asked me that before. The question might be, what are things that you must have in a partner and what are things that are compromisable? You don't ask yourself that until you've been through a very bad relationship where yep. none of those boxes were checked, right? But why do you have to go through a bad relationship for someone to ask you that? Why can't you ask yourself that ahead of time? That way, if you want to be married, you want to have kids, you're not wasting your time because you kind of already have a good foundation of what you want. I do that for all of parts of the book, whether it be beauty, how do you find your beauty and your worth in the society? That goes for men too. How do you feel beautiful in a society that tells you, unless you look like Chris Evans, you ain't cute. Or if you're a woman where you're like, unless you look like Scarlett Johansson, oh, yeah. you're not beautiful <laughs> or which is also bull. How do you find your individuality, right? In a society where you, everyone looks the same, acts the same, bees the same, or otherwise you're not in it and in the trend. How do you move along from that? So that's kind of what motivated me. There's activities in the book. There's a lot of stuff in the book that will help you find more about yourself. It's not a self-help book. I hate that term. It's a personal development book. It's more like, how do I develop more about myself and be comfortable in my skin? I really love the name of the book. It's like Thank a you. letter to you. Like That's how I read it. Yeah. So it's Sincerely Life and it's a li it's literally life talking to you. 
So all of this at the end is signed sincerely life, like life is saying, all of these are for you. All these letters are for you. All of this is for you. And did you pick the name? The book was originally called Life's Open Letters. Mm -hmm. And I didn't like that title. It was just something I like needed to put a title on it. And I knew I would change it. So my friend, we, I was like, I just don't like this title. And he and I were thinking, he were thinking, then he stops and he goes, my, uh, one of my good childhood friends, he was like, what if you said sincerely life, like just the closing. And I was like, bruh. And then everyone liked it. Everyone liked it. I loved it. So, you know, it was kind of like, we took this letter idea because it was originally just a bunch of letters, open letters. I changed the format, but the idea was still there. So we just changed it. So I didn't originally come up with that idea. No, my friend came up with it. I think it changed the whole course of the book, to be honest. Yeah, I love it. And also like the cover is so cute. I think it's a very Thank cute you. book. Thank you. Um, my, another childhood friend, I said, you know, because I couldn't afford like a very big, famous designer person. She designed the cover. She read bits and pieces of the book. And she, she's also the woman who designs my tattoos. So she knows me very well and knows kind of like what I want when I envision something and can put it on paper. She put that cover together in like four hours. Nice. So I was like, what it must be like to be talented. Because <laughs> Coming back to your book, if yeah. our listeners want to buy it, where can they find it? It is on Amazon. It is also on every ebook platform except Hoopla. And if you live internationally, it is within Ingram as well. So if you want to, like, if you live in India and you want to buy it, but it doesn't, you know, Amazon doesn't go there, just tell your local bookstore, hey, could you order this from Ingram for me? Ingram will sell it to the bookstore and then you can buy it from the bookstore. Mm -hmm. Okay. Any future projects you're working on? I am kind of testing the waters to see if people would be interested in a memoir about my relationship with my mother, like a mother-daughter memoir and exploring that relationship, especially as an ethnic young woman who is the daughter of an ethnic woman and how, if she, you know, how parents who don't heal from their trauma, you know, it passes to the kids, but how do we explore those relationships and how do we repair them and develop them and grow together or, you know, grow separately, but then build that relationship if you want to have it. So I'm testing the water waters on that, seeing if people would want to read something like that. And if they would, then, you know, maybe I'll start the project. So we'll see. I love the idea. Oh, good. Okay, good. One person <laughs> is on board. I'm, I'm glad to hear it. So if you're a viewer or watcher, comment and tell me, like, <laughs> would you want to read this before I wait, not waste, before I invest a whole year, year plus doing this? I'd be happy to. I just need to know, is there an audience for that? Hmm. So, no, yeah. I think definitely, especially in our brown communities, it's unexplored. Yeah, or at least yeah. I haven't found anything like that. So I would definitely pick that up. Hey, good to know. Yeah. Cause I feel like, I feel like there's no real books on it, you know, like there's no real books on exploring because moms are such a touchy subject, right? Like you don't ever speak ill of moms. And it's not that I'm speaking ill of my mother, but I'm like, let's have an honest conversation because we're actually at the end of the day, we're still two women. And there's a woman, like all the trauma I receive as a woman, just because I'm a woman, right? I can't walk at night. I have to constantly be around a group of people. If I'm not somewhere and familiar, what, whatever, you know, like she's experienced that as well, but even more, she's from India. She had to get married, right. Had to have kids through a certain societal expectations. How do we explore that bridge that gap, not necessarily repair, but move from whatever's happening from childhood to now. So I think it'd be a good place to start, you know? Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Well, well thank you. 
Poonam, thank you so much for joining me here today. It was so much fun talking to you. It was so much fun talking to you too. And thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure. Today's podcast is presented by Podgo. Podgo is the easiest way for you to monetize your podcast, providing podcasters with a flat rate for ad space so you always know how much you get when you include an ad from Podgo. Apply today to become a member and immediately be connected with advertisers that fit your audience. That's podgo.co, P-O-D-G-O dot C-O. And be sure to add our podcast in the How Did You Hear About Podgo section of the application. Thank you for listening to my conversation with Poonam. Hope you enjoyed getting to know her as much as I did. You can also watch a video version of this conversation on 11 Questions YouTube channel. Don't forget to subscribe to 11 Questions wherever you are listening. And if you like this episode, please leave a 5-star rating on Apple Podcasts. Follow me on Instagram and Twitter at 11QuestionsPod for more videos and updates. And I'll be back next week with a new guest. Bye!